0: sacred city life podcast this podcast is all about helping you follow jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life and uh gentlemen would you say hello
1: how's it going guys alex tate sacred City youth
2: director
3: joel bickford deacon of worship
0: sam schmidt pastor at Sacred City moline all right well we are in our new location today we are this is the first inaugural podcast in yes. my new office so, we have this is kind of a mobile setup that we got going on. So, hopefully, we can uh, pull it together. But it's exciting to be in our new space today. Yeah. And we are continuing our series on the disciplines of the Christian life, the, the sp- spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, working through Donald Whitney's um, great book. And so, we want to just pick right back up where we left off. And this is a subject that, um, I think a lot of people struggle with, I know as a pastor, I probably have gotten more questions on prayer than just about anything else. And usually when somebody asks me about prayer, most of the time they just feel guilty about not praying enough. Right. If you ask somebody, how's your prayer life? Almost always they say something like, well, it could be a lot better. It could be a lot better.
1: When things go bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the reality. We all become, well, real Christians learn prayer in suffering. Yeah. I mean, that's just a universal truth. It's always been true. We are fickle people, and God wants us to pray, and God wants to commune with us. And so, as a good, kind father, he shouts at us in our suffering. Yeah. Right? So he gets our attention in our suffering. So um so today we're going to talk about prayer. And let I guess right away, you know, Sam, I'm going to ask you just what what is prayer?
2: Yeah, when we think about prayer, well, actually I, um Dane Ortlund his book deeper talks about prayer like breathing. Uh to breathe in and to breathe out. So uh, and this kind of ties back into last episode talking about meditation of prayer involves breathing in God's word. So we're listening to God. It's not just a one, a one direction line of communication where God's got his ears open to us at all times and we have our ears shut off to him. But the sense of breathing in God's word, um, hearing what God has to say and the exhale being our opportunity to talk back to God. Uh, and hopefully we're talking back to God with language that he's supplied and in the Bible, specifically the Psalms, offers a lot of, um, a huge reservoir of help to to put language to our prayers and things of that nature. But the idea of breathing in, taking in God's word, and prayer, exhaling, speaking back to God. Mm, that's
1: good.
0: Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> I think the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that prayer is pouring out our heart to God. And I agree with you, like, it's a two-way communication. It's dynamic communication. It's not just me pouring out my heart to God, but it's also God speaking to me. Mm -hmm. But many times, especially people that have grown up in the charismatic church, they, they believe that prayer is less about taking in the word of God and more about listening and God kind of, speaking to their mm. mind or speaking to their heart. Yeah. Mm. Now, God, God can do that. The problem is, well, there's lots of problems, actually. One, how do you know it's God speaking? Yeah.
1: Your feelings get in the way, right?
0: Goodness gracious. <laughs> when, you're, when our feelings are so overwhelming and overpowering, yeah. go walk through a car dealership, a new car dealership. Mm. Right? And then pray about if you should buy that new truck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they're not gonna put you in the old one first. They're gonna put you in the nicest one first. But,
0: but what I mean by that is if you really want a new truck and you go walk through that truck and you see all the bells and whistles and you see all the LEDs and you see all the leather interior, your desires get so, and your emotions get so tangled up yeah. that you go to God in prayer and if you don't hear an audible, Heck no. Yeah. Then you're like, you know what? I really feel like the Lord is just...
1: It's I'm, those goosebumps. You get those goosebumps you're sitting in that yeah. then you start, I deserve this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah. You know what? The Lord doesn't want his children driving around in an old <laughs> right, truck. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, but the danger with that, again, is that my emotions get all tangled up in that. And, and guys, I can't tell you how many people have came to me and said... I've prayed about this and God has released me from my marriage. And now I'm going to go get a divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, This woman, we're going to live together. We're married in our hearts. Um, I've prayed about it and I have a peace about it. Mm. Um, I'm going to move away to another place of town. Have you checked out the churches? No. And then you, you Google and it's like a spiritual wasteland, but they feel like God's leading them there. You know, and it's just, and as a pastor, it's so hard to just straight up say, you're wrong. Like, God's not leading you there. Like, that's not God. Now, when it comes to adultery and it comes to, you know, shacking up with your girlfriend and it comes to things like that, it's, it's very easy. Yeah. Pastors, any pastor w- worth his salt should say, that's not God. Yeah. That's the devil. Mm-hmm. And the devil comes as an angel of light. The ge- devil will give you rational reasons. He'll give you what you want. Until he's got you, and then he wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Mm -hmm. So it's when I go to prayer, and I want prayer to be a dynamic communication with God without relying on the word, I'm in really great peril of being led astray, Mm -hmm. right? um, There's a way that seems right unto a man, but that way leads to death. Mm -hmm. And so... Every, nearly every God, every false God will give you what you want, right? That's the whole deal. You go to that God to get the crops. You go to that God to get the girl. You go to that God to get the victory in battle. You go to that God, basically you go to those gods to get what you really want. Success, material success, Mm -hmm. financial success, children, fertility. Like that's what all the false gods give you. When the Westminster divine said that prayer was pouring out our heart to God, what they meant by that was pouring out my desires, pouring out my heart to God and then giving God the space to say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. or to change my desires. Yeah. Right. Right? That's why in the Psalms that you bring up David brings every emotion you can think of to God. Yeah. Right? He brings his sin, he brings his darkness, he brings his anger. He's which which I think is just
1: you think he's crazy when you hear it, though, when you read the Psalms. You think he's, like, on some type of roller coaster of going up and down with his emotions, but he's just being honest of where he's at with God yeah. and in this situation.
0: But he's bringing his real self to the real God. Like, yeah. he straight up says, smash the teeth of the wicked, God. Yeah. He, one, one prayer is, like, kill their babies. Like, kill them all. Like, like, my enemies, let my enemies be scattered, all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I hope their children are dashed upon the rocks. It's like, whoa, bro. Mm-hmm. But with those emotions, those emotions are not safe to put on the internet.
1: Yeah. Those, yeah.
0: those emotions are not safe to share with your kids. Even though I think many times we bring that unfiltered self to our spouse, to our kids, to our friends,
1: yeah.
0: to our social media. Mm-hmm. And that's really dangerous because if you've got a bunch of fanboys or fangirls, they'll praise you for your honesty and they'll they'll back you up and they'll they'll just be an echo chamber and tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. But when you bring that true self to God, God can slow your roll. God yeah. can challenge you, God can change you. So in many of the Psalms, David starts there, but then ends in worship, mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He starts there with that, I don't know if it's a bad attitude, but it's a real attitude, it's fear, it's anxiety, it's frustration, it's stress. But by the end of the psalm, we would say he's gospeled himself and God's, God has redeemed his emotions where now he's trusting in God again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he begins, almost like he begins in doubt, the opposite of faith, but he ends in faith.
1: Yeah. So, so where do you think they, uh, so if we, we have David being honest and all throughout scripture, just, you know, people being honest where they're at in their prayer, where do we get to this Jesus glitter type prayers? that people tend to quote, people tend to like not be honest of where they're at. Where, where do those type of things come from?
0: I just think it's 100% natural to man mm. that we treat God as if he is like all the other gods. Yeah. So if I perform for him, basically, if I say the right mantra, God will give me what I want. Mm. Yeah. So the important thing is to say the right mantra. Mm. Right. And God sees through all that crap and he looks right to our heart and he knows what's going on. And God's not, that's why God says in like several different places in the Old Testament, I hate your feasts. I hate your fasting. I hate your prayers. Mm -hmm. Because he's talking about their religious posturing. You know, they're worshiping other gods. They're not obeying God. But then they go to God when, you know, to get what they want from him. Yeah. And he just straight up says, I hate it.
2: Yeah, I guess that kind of brings us to what prayer isn't as far as a a, uh, bring your wish list to God. I mean, there's, of course, opportunity for supplication. But if prayer is only or exclusively, here's what I want from you, God, please deliver in a timely fashion. I'd like to see it before the end of the week, if you would. Then that's not really prayer because we're not going to the Word. We're not going into God, like spending time, in fact, communing with God and letting God have that dialogue back with us. Um, And so the to-do list isn't really prayer as much as it is, you know, wishful thinking in in a lot of cases, but as we commune with God, our desires uh, conform to his and what he's trying to do, what he's trying to do in us and the lives of other people, that our prayers actually gain some some weightiness that we start thinking the way God thinks about the people in our lives and and adopting his view on things rather than having God conform to ours. Yeah, Yeah, I
0: think that's it. I think the main purpose of prayer is to have our will become God's will. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean by that? So, so have our will folded into God's will. So for, I mean, the ultimate prayer, Jesus in the garden, that if it be possible, take this cup from me, he doesn't yeah. want to go through the pain, doesn't want to go through the suffering. He starts out like David, a fear, you know, in, in one sense, just afraid of that, of what's, of what he's about to experience on the cross and that um, taking the judgment of God on our behalf. And he, he begins there. And that's the honest pouring out your heart to God. But he doesn't, he begins there, but he doesn't end there. He ends, not my will, but your will be done.
2: Yeah.
0: And we're, gonna, we're, we're in John 5 this week where it's all about Jesus saying, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't do. Yeah. Like my whole purpose on this earth is to do what the Father wants me to do. And that's not opposed to my will. We're one. Me and the Father are one. And so I want to accomplish His will. Mm. And that shows us what the life of a child of God should look like. Mm -hmm. We should want our will to be God's will. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So, how many times is our prayer something along the lines of, God, don't make this too hard? Ultimately, Right, there was I was uh, listening to a song. <laughs> I was just talking to Sam about it by Zach Bryan, and he's he's just he, he he prays God, you know, go light on me. Just take it easy on me. Just please, just take it easy on me, right? And then I'm thinking of another song. Um, I, I'm I've been on vacation, so I've been listening to a lot of <laughs> country music. Okay, um, by Morgan Wallen, and it's it's uh, I don't think Jesus does it that way, and he's like. Couldn't you have changed me in easier way? Couldn't you change? And he's like, No, I don't think Jesus does it that way. So it's this idea of we want to become who God calls us to be, but we want that path to be as comfortable and as easy as possible. Yeah. And that's just not how God does it. Yeah. Sure. C.S. Lewis said that I have no doubt that God wants the best for me. My biggest fear is wondering how painful that's actually going to be.
1: Mm, yeah. Through the valley.
0: <laughs> right. but it, it's just like anything worth anything.
1: Like yeah.
0: it's like a woman that wants to have children, but doesn't want her body to change and doesn't want to experience any pain. Yeah. Well, I don't think Jesus does it that way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like for
2: sure. I, should get Morgan
3: in here for the next one. Yeah.
0: Morgan didn't write that song, but it was, it's a great song. It, I really like it,
3: but there's something in here about the, the genius of, and the, and the, the goodness of God to give us the Lord's prayer because everything you guys have said so far just reminds me of you know Jesus said when you pray pray like this and it doesn't mean like recite this it's like here here's here's how you can know if you're praying well if you're communing with God well and it looks like the first step is first acknowledging that God is father so he's not <clears throat> he's not the genie in the lamp this is uh, he's a good father i mean that that's a total mm-hmm. change of perspective if i'm approaching a father figure or the father versus uh, you know someone who's tyrannical or a genie or whatever okay so it's father and then it's hallowed be your name
0: so immediately when you say father you're recognizing there's a hierarchy to the universe yeah, yeah. and you're not at the top of it yeah yeah
3: yeah and you start out in it means your prayers start with humility like you're saying like under your God, I'm not. I submit to that right. first. That already puts whatever you're about to say in perspective,
2: right? Because if you're, you're sovereign over your life, you don't have to pray. You just get to exercise control, yeah. and you get to choose, make the and that's where the more. honesty
3: can actually start to spill out in a helpful way. To where it's saying, "I'm actually talking to someone here who can actually who can actually do something yeah. about this in my own heart, in my own life." And yeah, there's something about that model that we see in the Lord's prayer that I think everything you guys are saying so far is tracking, even the, your kingdom come, your will be done praying with, in a type of way that's in submission to God, you know, best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think good.
0: philosophers and sociologists have called our tendency, like the modern day religion. Now this is the past 20 or so years, maybe a little bit longer. It might've changed a little bit, but I still feel like most people, their functional religion is moralistic mm. therapeutic deism mm-hmm. moralistic god just wants me to be kind of good therapeutic god exists for as my therapist yeah. basically to make me feel g- good about myself and deism i don't really know him he doesn't really have a face or a name or mm-hmm. a personality he's not really god the father creator of all things mm-hmm. the or, or jesus christ his son you're know, like it's just kind of i'm just throwing prayers up to any God who will listen that will help me get through my day.
3: Yeah.
0: When Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, no, 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 you're not praying to some fairy into the sky. You're not praying to the plethora of gods. Now, on vacation, I'm, I'm reading um, um, the Aeneid, and I'm blown away by how many gods that the the Greeks had to pray to. it's The hardest part of the book is keeping all the gods straight. There's gods over lightning. There's gods over the sea. There's gods over death. There's gods over the fields. There's gods over love. There's gods over, I mean, literally there's, it's not just the Greek pantheon, like the big ones that you know about. There's gods over everything. And they're offering sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice for all these different gods to placate all these different gods. And Jesus comes in and says, there's only one God. Yahweh is his name. We call him father, right? I am the son. I am the one and only begotten, the only son of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. My will is his will. His will is my will. And this is how you're to pray. And uh, like we just said, we're approaching a father. And I think more than likely, every single good father says no. Yeah more than he says yes.
2: Absolutely. Mm. Yep.
0: Right? Now, like we have a, a, a philosophy around Sacred City that we want to have a garden of yeses. Yeah. You know, we, we want to say yes as often as possible. Yeah, for sure. But our children... They ask for
3: dumb stuff. <laughs>
0: they ask for, I mean, yeah. dumb stuff. I mean, Dad, can I stay up till 2 in the morning playing video games? Can I stay up all night? You know, like, can I have this box of or this whole package of Oreos for dinner? Can I,
1: I mean, just... Why and my, ice cream for breakfast lunch and dinner? and my
0: kids it's just one i mean it they'd never stop yeah
1: they you got would, a lot of kids
0: yeah but they <laughs> would literally kill me kill themselves and kill me yeah. with the amount of running that we would do yeah for sure you know what i mean and i have to even though i love them to death and i want them to have a fun life and, and be blessed and all these things i have to say no yeah a lot that's part of being a good father mm. and it's not sometimes I say no, not just because sometimes parents only say no, like if they can't afford it or if they have a real good reason to say no, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. sometimes you just say no because you need to say no. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and you just know better than them. You don't need to give an excuse. It doesn't need to be, you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the problems with the, the, the wealthier you, the wealthier you are, the more difficult it becomes mm. to raise good kids. Mm. Yeah. Because, you can afford to say yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can afford to go on every vacation and buy them every shoe they need and, or every shoe they want and every everything their little hearts desires, every yeah. video game console, all the... You mm-hmm. can soften their life so much that they never learn discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And the key word, the root word of disciple is discipline. Yeah. And to develop discipline, you need to be told no. Right. You need to learn how to have delayed gratification right to work for things to have your desires changed mm-hmm. right and so going to god as a father he's going to say no to us a lot and it's always it's never going to be arbitrary it's always going to be for our good yeah. that's good and we don't know why but man decade down the road you might yeah mm-hmm. you know and then you'll be like oh thank god he didn't give me what i prayed for
1: yeah for sure so why do you think it's uh, a lot of people don't pray is it because they're too proud to pray is it because they're um too afraid to pray of because of situations they have done in the past and they don't come to the father so why do, why do you think people don't pray
2: i think it probably almost always boils down to these two things either i view myself too big so i don't mm. need to pray or have you got too small that he can't deliver what I'm asking for? Yeah. I mean, you can you know, wrap in the time stuff, don't have time, I'm too busy, got too much stuff going. And that, that ultimately boils down to I have too big of a view of myself. I, I think of myself too competent. And if you really examine all that you're called to do in life, whether it's, it's a husband, father, mother, uh, wife, mm-hmm. uh, in your job, with your kids, in whatever vocation, in your neighbor, all these things that we're supposed to do to think that you can do that all in your own strength, man, you're really overestimating yourself. And and we've got a lot of competent people, a lot of able-bodied people, a lot of people who do have a lot of skills, but to do all those things well, uh, to the glory of God is like a task that no one in their own flesh can, can live up to. And so, um, part of the, the reason why we don't go to prayers because I, I think I can't, I think I'm capable. I don't need God's help to do these things. Mm. Uh, and so I would say that's one of them. I'd be curious if you guys have anything else besides.
0: I would that. add to that. I've got a couple of things. One, I would say, then your vision, your vision for your life is too small.
2: ooh yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Because oh, yeah. if you can accomplish it, then it's just too, too small. Right. Mm. Here's the reality how many people actually think in legacy? How many people think in, what's my family going to be like in 500 years? Yep. I mean, to think like that requires a big vision. Yeah. I need to make more money, one, because I want to leave wealth to my children's children, right? I need to invest in them spiritually because I need them to be able to go out into the world and actually accomplish something and kick the devil in the teeth, right? And I want them to raise, uh, Indy Wilson says, I want my daughters to raise terrible tribes that Mm -hmm. give the devil fits. I want my kids, my daughters to have a house full of kids that are just terrible to the kingdom of darkness, right? So I, now listen, I can't do that. I need the spirit to help me do that. I don't have the ability to pastor and to have be financially astute enough and whatever to be able to, you know, be creative enough to come up with that kind of wealth, right? There's a, I I can't, like right now, like the building, the building, this building that the Lord's given us is a huge vision and it's a key piece to this 500 year vision that that the Lord's developing in me, that we need a strategic base to reach the city,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. the Quad Cities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. and to worship God for all of our families under one roof, right? You have to have roots. Now, there's no way I could have done this on my own. There's no way. I couldn't find the building. I couldn't fund the building. I couldn't remodel the building. I couldn't do any of that on my own. And so it's caused me to pray, 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 because God gave me a bigger vision than I had even a couple years ago. And that pushes me that pushes me to pray. So I would say if you're not praying, your vision for your life and family, ministry, business, it's too small.
1: Yeah. I think too, you're, you're too comfortable. You're not, you're not taking risk. And when you're taking big risk, you need to know that you can't do it on your own and you need to pray. You, you need the father of the Universe to be in -hmm. your corner to, to guide you and direct you um, for wisdom. Yeah,
0: that's good. You're not taking risks. So Man, I I think many of us we don't pray, we don't pray for our neighbors, because we don't take those risks, those missional risks, Mm -hmm. right? Going over to talk to our neighbors, going over to hang out with somebody that we don't know, sharing our faith with somebody. Like once you start doing that, you realize your absolute inability to change somebody's heart. Mm -hmm. Like I've been guilty in the past of trying to memorize as many apologetic arguments and comebacks and one-liners and the rules of logic and, and, you know, all of like all these fallacies so that I could outmaneuver anybody in an argument, hoping to lead them to Christ. And ultimately you realize (laughs) that doesn't work. Like especially people are just emotional and illogical. You can trap them in a fallacy. You can name the fallacy. You can show them the evidence that they're believing a lie and all these different things. You can apologetic them to death and make them look like absolute fools where everybody else in the room goes, wow, you just won that argument. And that person still is like, well, I don't believe. you yeah. are like, dang. So you still, you can't argue a person into the kingdom of God. Yeah. But the spirit of God can change a person like this on a dime. And so... When you're out there living a, a missional life and you're engaging your neighbors, you're engaging your family members, you're, you really believe in heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. You really believe in heaven and hell. Like that, that people that don't believe in Jesus Christ, they're going to hell. That's pushing, that should push you to prayer. That should push you to bring their name before your missional community. Bring their name before your God in prayer
1: yeah.
0: and beg that God would open their eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's good.
0: Um, The other thing is, I was going to say is, I think most people do pray. You know, the question is, why don't we pray? (laughs) Yeah, I actually haven't met a person that doesn't pray. Now, we pray poorly. We pray in ignorant ways. But most people, because God has set the world up in such a way where he shows us, I mean, I don't know. By the time you're eighteen, I mean, eh, maybe twenty, twenty, twenty-five. By sure, by for for sure. By the time you're twenty-five, you should have experienced enough suffering or failure that you realize you're not it. You're not that guy, pal. Like you need help. <laughs> yeah. Right now, you can live in a bubble, but it's hard to live in a bubble past twenty-five unless you've got, you know. Great genetics and
1: a really, millions of dollars. <laughs> a really
0: millions of dollars and really great family that, that are keeping you locked away somehow. <clears throat> you know? But God set the world up in such a way that it's meant to show us our inability so we get to the end of ourselves and we cry out for God.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's key too that we, we talked about the Father praying to the Father because I do hear a lot of people saying that, you know, I pray, I pray, I, I pray to God, but a lot of the times it's like, what God? what God are you actually praying to? And uh, I don't know if we need to touch that on, in, in this podcast, but I feel like there's a lot of people that don't put the Father as, as king and as the person that should be praying to. They're just saying they're praying to a, a God.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should be praying to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's how we should be praying. Now, Sam, what does it mean to be praying to the Father through the Son.
2: <clears throat> yeah, uh, to pray to the Father, recognizing we've talked about this, the sovereignty of God Almighty. Um, even the Apostles' Creed begins, I believe, God the Father Almighty, that, that He is the sovereign of the cosmos, that everything everything is because of His His ordination. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that we can come to God, I mean, what its we'd be like ants coming before God if, if you kind of compare us from the majesty and glory of God and our broken finite state like ants okay. before the throne. Um, and what, on what basis do ants have come me as a homeowner on what basis does an ant have to come <laughs> to my front door and tell me that I need to change the drapes or whatever. Um, but we come not in our own power. We come because Christ has redeemed us. We come because Jesus, uh, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's by Christ's merit that we're granted access to the Father. It's now with confidence, let us draw near right. to the throne of grace. Let's this time, it. we can ask for what we need in our time of need. Um, and so it's because of what Christ has done that we actually have the ability to do it. And, it, of course, it's the spirit that's in us that that prods us, that, mm-hmm. that pokes us towards that cry of Abba, Father, that moves us into the throne room. So it is a, tr- like, prayer is really a, you don't really think about this very often, but a, a Trinitarian Activity is taking place here whenever a Christian goes to pray, That's good. Um, praying to God through Christ by the Spirit.
1: Preach that thing, Sam. Got some preachers in here. That's good.
3: <laughs> Love it. So we've done this on a couple of the previous ones, and Justin, I know you talk about like you have like a daily liturgy book that you. I'm just thinking about applying the discipline of prayer. Let's say someone's listening to this and they're recognizing, man, I don't, I don't pray. It's not a part of my spiritual discipline or falling fallen off the horse. I don't know what to do when I pray. Um, where do we start? Maybe what, what are some, you know, kind of, just like we did with the scriptures, or some banger scriptures. Is there, is there resources? Is there do you, is something that you would say, this is how you start praying. This is how, this, these are helpful tools. This is you know, Anything but, like that.
0: I mean, I think there's more resources on prayer than anything. I feel like there's books on prayer. There's litur- liturgical guides on prayer. Um, you remember, what's the one that I use every day?
3: It's called Be Thou My Vision. Be
0: Thou My Vision is a great one that it teaches you how to pray, and it's praying scripture, so you're getting the intake, and you're, it guides you how to pray. Um, but what Sam mentioned, <clears throat> the doctrine of union with Christ, that when I put my faith in Christ, in some spiritual way, I'm... I'm adopted into the family, but I'm brought in to Christ. So Christ is my representative head now, and I'm a part of his body. So Christ died, I died. Christ was resurrected, I'm resurrected. Christ was glorified, I'm going to be glorified. That gives me insane confidence to go before the throne of God in in my times of need. Now, I've heard it explained like this before. Who... Who gets to go into the king's throne room and wake him up at 3 a.m. for a cup of water? His babies. That's it. The only people that get to do that are his kids, Mm -hmm. right? His advisors don't get to do it. His friends don't get to do it. The other rulers in the realm don't get to do it. The only people that get to go into the king's throne room in the middle of the night and wake him up over something as small as a glass of water are his kids. Yeah. And that's who we are Mm. because of the work of Christ to the God of the universe. Amen. Which means in one sense, in one sense, there are no bad prayers, in one sense. Because you're going, if you're going to God the Father and you're asking, Mm. because at least you're taking the posture, you're recognizing your need, you're going to your Father. My son can come to me with anything. Right. I want that open relationship. Now I can also roll over in bed and say, no, son, go back to bed. (laughs) Right. Like as a father, I I can say no, but Jesus has given us that type of access. Mm -hmm. So even when we bring our bad prayers to God, it's better than not praying. Mm -hmm. And most of our prayers, especially as when we're younger Christians or we're learning how to pray, they're, they're bad prayers. Mm-hmm. They're they're pretty much give me prayers. Yeah. They're pretty much take it easy on me, Jesus prayers. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think the scriptures <clears throat> also remind us that the Spirit takes those types of prayers and even those even just kind of like the groaning prayers that are too deep for words, and He somehow translate you know, translates them to the Father and makes them meaningful and understands them even in a deeper way than we can. So we're you know we're even in our own thoughts and trying to trying to communicate rightly to God. Um, as if it as if it's dependent upon us explaining it to him well enough.
2: Right. And there's um, some pressure that's taken off because yeah. even before we go to prayer and and say, here's what I need God or this is what I'm looking for. God already knows. Yeah. yeah. So we don't we're not relying on how eloquent our speech is or how thorough our requests are being made or whatever it is. It's God already knows before we but for him it's a delight, you know, <clears throat> like as a father to have his child to come and make a request. Like that relationship, that communion. That's that's really the essence of prayer of communing with the Father, being with God, and having all of the benefits that come out of having the ear of the sovereign.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know you were just talking about the building, and I feel like I was. I literally had a moment the other night where I, I would totally agree. Th- this whole idea of having having something that feels like a, a burden um, on your shoulders. That feels too big for you. So sometimes that's something happening in our marriage. Sometimes that's our kids. Sometimes that's the salvation of our neighbor. Sometimes it's a project. Whatever it is, it has it has reminded me and kind of awakened me to I'm not enough. And yeah. uh, and and not even so. I was standing out in the sanctuary the other night, just like overwhelmed by something. I can't, I can't even remember what it was because I just sat down on the front of the stage and like just prayed. And I went to bed that night. I was, like, still stressed out. So I was, like, I'm just going to pray. And I'm not necessarily praying for God to fix it. I'm just, it was all it was just like, man, help me. I'm stressed out. I know you're in control. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, the next morning all my problems were fixed. But my perspective and my attitude were f- sort of right. And mm-hmm. it was almost like my thoughts were cleared. And it was, like, oh, the, the answer, it was, like, he did help me, like, see, step out of my stress for a minute see things from his perspective and then it was like an answer or a you know it sort of provided itself through the means of somebody in our community so there's something about how prayer it's not always about getting the exact thing that you asked for but just humbling yourself there's something powerful about humbling yourself before God and how that can calm and quiet your soul to be able to gain a more godly perspective on the world and your situation and that's good man i think that's
1: i I think that's super good because i mean when you when you look at that's you having spiritual discipline of like building up on a daily basis of continuing to pray but now the prayer is not what you do it becomes who you are not just in the 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 bad times all the time but even in the good times and and praying and praising god for what he has done in your life and what he's doing in our church and even looking in generations down down the road so that's good man
0: when I came to faith, it was in the more charismatic movement, and they they talked a lot about becoming a prayer warrior. And we had prayer meetings and all kind of hour you know hour long. Some buddies and I we prayed. Can't even remember it was like eight. We we took a whole day and we prayed for like eight hours. And <clears throat> but as you were talking, Joel, I thought of this term, prayer warrior, and. To become a great warrior, you have to go through the battles. You have to be tested. You have to get hurt a little bit, right? You have to have the difficulty. And like Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I will fear no evil. You are with me. And, And we can't move past the fact that he doesn't say even though I walk through the valley of death, I won't be there very long. <laughs> yeah. You're going to take me out of it right away yeah. and I'm not going to yeah. die. Mm-hmm. No, like all of us have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. All of us have to walk through this veil of tears. All of us have to learn to fight. Mm-hmm. All of us have to, be, to get in on the battle. Mm-hmm. And prayer is a communion with God that reminds us we're not alone.
3: Yeah.
0: He's never going to leave us or forsake us. Yeah. He's with us. He's training our hands for war right now. He's teaching us how to wield the sword of the spirit. He's teaching us how to fight the lies of the enemy, how to extinguish the, the lies, the darts, mm-hmm. the fiery darts of the evil one with scripture. Yeah. So this couple, on vacation, my son kept getting woken up at 3 a.m. He couldn't figure out what to do. And I said, hey, man, listen, that might be God waking you up. That might be God waking you up to pray. What? Why would he do that?
1: <laughs> and i'm like i'm trying to sleep
0: <laughs> yeah, because we don't listen during the day
1: yeah that's good
0: we're on social media or we're on our phones we're listening to music we're constantly entertained and so he knows he, he wakes us up in the middle of the night many times it's to listen to us and yeah. i know it's um, with eli and samuel you know he did that to to samuel and Eli was like, listen, he's like, hey, did you call me? He's like, no, I didn't call you. Here's a voice in the middle of the night. Did you call me? No. And I think it was the second or third time. He's like, hey, if you hear that again, that might be God speaking to you. Mm. You need to say, hey, your servant listens. Like, God, is that you? Your servant listens. Like, I'm here. I'm listening. And when you're if you're getting woken up in the middle of the night, it might be God waking you up, right? And it's not just to give you some revelation. It might and I hate to say it like this, but you, you, you might be getting drafted into the fight at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And that fight of faith, you're fighting your anxiety, you're fighting your fears, and you've got to fight with the scriptures. You've got to fight with the word of God, right? Yeah. You've got to um, surrender your desires over to the Lord, ask him to transform your, your thinking, your mind. To, you know. Um, so I think prayer is difficult because it is a battle. Yeah. The flesh, the devil, the -hmm. world. Right. And and God, we're we're, they're all battling for our attention and our devotion, really. Mm -hmm. So when should we pray?
2: As long as the second clock, is second hands moving. I don't know. There's not a there's not a bad time to pray. Really, Um, all the time. Pray without ceasing is a command in Scripture. To continue, just it doesn't. I mean, if if your prayer life is just limited to a 15 minute time block, you know, once a day or a couple times a day. I mean that that's not really you are not reaping all of the benefits of the Christian life. If you talk about the access that we have to the Father, the intercessions that we can make on behalf of others, like we we have a lot of opportunities to go. And so whenever...
0: Hold on, how am I supposed to pray without ceasing? I have a job, I have kids, I have stuff. What am I supposed to do? Just sit down with my Bible 24-7 and pray?
2: Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, it's it's any opportunity that you have to. I mean, like, one of the things that I've... I found interesting is, you've probably seen some of this, the, the daily liturgy, or not daily liturgy, the, um, what is it called? The every moment holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this idea of a liturgy for every benign thing that goes on in life. And the idea that I go into things, again, aware of my limitations as a human being and aware of God's sovereignty and power. There's nothing I can do in my own strength without God's help. Um, and so going into these if I have the right mindset, going into every little thing, I should be asking for God's help, for God's strength to do it, uh, the Spirit working in me. Lord, even through trials and temptations, help me to see things the way that you see it. There's not a moment where it's not appropriate to. Now, it doesn't mean that you've got like a, a running clock where all of your prayers are being logged all the time. But it's just as often as you come to the realization of, oh, I should pray, that's a good time to pray. And then the more you have that, the more aware of your need you are, the, the more you're going to pray.
0: Yeah. And I also think it's freeing your understanding of prayer from a formal, formulaic, sit down, yeah. bring out your journal, list every person you're praying for. I get overwhelmed when I hear the way some people pray and they've got a journal and they write down all these names. because. I have too many people that I love and care for to be able to pray for them all every single day. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, well, crap, who, who, who's, who's making the cut today? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, so pray without oh, yeah. ceasing means I'm living my life in constant communion with God Yeah. that I don't get up from my prayer time and then disconnect my mind or my heart spiritually from God, I'm going out into my day with God with me, yep. and I'm talking to Him while I'm in my truck, while I'm at the office, mm-hmm. while I'm working out, while mm-hmm. I'm doing all, the, while I'm fishing. That it's a natural thing when I see a sunset, just to breathe out, "Thank you yep. for this," yep. right? And that's a prayer. Yep.
2: Yep. And I think it's those things that God. God oftentimes prompts us to pray, and we may not, may not register as that for us. So you see a sunset, that's a prompt of, oh, wow, that could only have come from the hand of a glorious God. But even things like, you know, I feel my anxiety spiking up, what is that? that that's an invitation to go to God to pray, to come yeah. to Him and ask for help in those times of need. Uh, when I sense bitterness, or, or even think about somebody that maybe I'm in conflict with, um, that's an invitation to pray for them, to, to l- let the Lord change my heart towards that person. So I guess pray, praying without ceasing is, is also being open to those prompts that the Lord has for us to pray that come a thousand times a day to see, okay, here's an opportunity. And it doesn't, again, not, not an elaborate, need to take 10 minutes to pray about this, but to say breath prayer, thank you, God, or yeah. Lord help That's me, good. or whatever those things are, to, to
1: acknowledge that, that need and that help that God's willing to provide. So so, so um, why is it that as we, I mean, as pastors, you want to try to uh, equip the saints, but why is it that the saints always feel that I need the pastor to pray for this thing? If we all have access and we're all children of God, mm-hmm. why, do, why do they feel like they have to come to the pastor to, to only pray for this specific thing?
0: Well, on one side, it could be not understanding their identity in Christ and that that there's only one mediator between themselves and the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. But also, the Scriptures do say, if there are sick among you, call the elders of the church and have them lay their hands on them and anoint them with oil, and the sick would recover. So there is is something about having your pastors pray for you.
2: Right, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective.
0: Yeah, and we see in... Acts, early chapters of Acts, that the apostles, which we would call the elders, were called to spend, were commanded by God to spend less time working with the poor and more time in prayer and preaching. Mm. So they're they're actually commanded to pray more. So Mm. I don't know. I, I think, well, another reason I think it would be good to call your pastor is because more than likely, hopefully... Your pastor has a better understanding of what to pray that's in line with God's will because he knows the word of God a little bit better than yep. you do, right? Okay. Um, so as I'm learning more Psalms and praying the Psalms, I just, this you know, if you had the Psalms memorized, goodness gracious, if a person had the Psalms memorized, that's the person I want to pray for me. Because mm-hmm. yeah. no matter what I say, they're probably going to be able to pull out a Psalm and and. God's word is just going to sing, you yeah. know? So I think that those are a couple reasons. Mm-hmm.
2: I think also there's probably like the, the relational shepherd re- relationship that goes into that of like, it's not just that I'm asking for prayer, but it's almost even an invitation at a council. Will you help me navigate this situation? and And maybe it's a situation that's beyond anybody's control. We're praying for... Um, a sick child or something like that, that really, whatever we do, we can't change the outcome. Um, But there are certain things like, hey, can you pray for me? I'm trying to make a decision about what job I should take. And it's like, okay, well, let's sit down and we can actually have a conversation about that and I can help shepherd you through this situation if you you want me to do that. So I think there is a a natural shepherd-sheep relationship that asking for prayer is acknowledging.
0: Yeah, that's good. When I first came to faith, And I was trying to learn how to pray. My pastors didn't teach me the Lord's Prayer. Um, I think that's the best place to go to learn to pray. Mm -hmm. We have a whole sermon series on that, by the way. You can go back and look at Sacred City Moline or Sacred City Davenport. We preached all the way through, line by line, the Lord's Prayer, if you want to learn how to pray that way. But a simple way that I was taught to pray is called the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. And acronym just means... First, adoration. We see in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. We're offering up our praise to God. We are setting the tone that God is most glorious and we need to humble ourselves and come before his throne of grace in awe of him. right, so we're, then C, confession. When you adore God and you see God rightly as he's high and lifted up, like Isaiah did in the early chapters of Isaiah, he said, he sees the Lord; his train fills the temple. He's glorious and beyond all splendor, and he says, "Woe is me, a man of unclean lips." Right. So immediately he see he's confessing his sin. He sees, "I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be standing in the presence of God." So when we go to pray, we want to confess our sins. We want to confess the lust that we've that we've experienced. We want to confess any any lies, any outright rebellion, outright sin, um, and then we can pray. You know. Father, make me white as snow. Like, cleanse me with hyssop, like the, the prayers that David prayed. Like, mm-hmm. um, give me a heart that's pure. Give me clean hands. And then T is thanksgiving. <clears throat> I think especially if we are, are depressed, if we're anxious, mm. if we're frustrated, we we need to drill down in this thanksgiving piece and just thank God for as many things as we possibly can thank him for, Right? all the good things in your life, all the blessings that your spiritual growth of the past year, 10 years, whatever it is, thank God. And then last, and it needs to be, it needs to be last, is supplication. And that's bringing our requests, bringing our laundry list to God, right? And asking him, asking him for things. Now, James says, you have not because you ask not right and he also says you don't get it because you ask with wrong motives mm. so we want to have right motives thy will be done not my will be done but we do want to ask for things because again if we never would have asked god for a building he wouldn't have gave us a building yeah. but but what's so cool about it is we asked him for it and then bam it showed up not even on the market so now we know this wasn't our scheming. This wasn't our planning. This wasn't our strategy. Yep. This was God answering our prayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And that means God wants us to have it. That's really cool.
3: Yeah.
0: Right? So, lastly, we want to bring our uh, requests request before the Lord, our supplications. <clears throat> so, as we kind of bring this into a close, you know, the scriptures command us to pray by the nature of our relationship with God, the father, we should want to pray. He's our father and he's in control of all the, he says, I have the cattle on a thousand hills. So he literally, I read a book one time by Tommy Barnett called the, there's a miracle in your house. And basically the whole idea was everything you need is right around you. It's in your church. This is written to pastors like the, you know you're praying for a worship leader you're praying for mc leaders you're praying for whatever there's a miracle in your house it's probably right around you you just need to ask god for it mm-hmm. right you just need to ask god for it he's got the resources and he can supply those those needs whatever they are <clears throat> so any closing thoughts as we wind mm-hmm. this thing down guys i, I think, think the only everything. thing
3: that maybe we mm-hmm. didn't specifically hit on which is maybe a, a given at this point is all of these things are true individually um, but just thinking of the places in scripture where you see prayer happening uh, in the midst of a community. And so obviously we, we see this model quite a bit um, in, in in our emotional communities and, and just how fruitful, um, I, I would say that uh, the more your own prayer life is flourishing, I think the same way with uh, what we were talking about was su- studying scripture and meditating on scripture and how, how that could be a benefit to community. Um, the more experienced you are in, in praying and comfortable with that, the the better blessing you're going to be to your community. Um And man, there are just some people in our church who can, <laughs> I've just been so blessed by how sometimes how simple their prayers are, because I know God hears those types of prayers and he's not, he's not looking to be impressed. But then there's other people just like, man, you've spent some time with Jesus in, in prayer and I can tell, and it's a blessing to my soul. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think as we're trying to be disciplined in that, I think that's just a piece of the puzzle of the discipline of prayer is uh, being vigilant about it in community and not skipping over it, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and again, we've talked about this a lot. <clears throat> the only way to get good at it is by doing it a lot.
3: Yeah. Discipline.
0: Discipline. Doing it a lot. Intake of the word, breathing out your request to the Lord, your desires, letting God change you, walking with the Lord for a long period of time. So, if you're not good at praying, pray. Yeah. Keep, keep praying and pray some more. Yeah. Right? All right, guys. Hopefully, this was a blessing to you. If you've got any questions, email me at Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. Or you can email, if you're from Moline, you can email Sam. Sam, what's your email? Sam at sacredcitychurch.com. There we go. Guys, we love you. We're praying for you. God bless.